0: Good morning, kids, and happy uh, Pride. It's June the 7th, 2019, and uh, well, we're celebrating Pride here in Los Angeles, the annual Christopher Street West Parade and Festival celebrated in the city of West Hollywood, uh, my city. And uh, it's not only Pride here in Los Angeles, but happy Pride in Sacramento, look for Channel Q up in the state capitol, happy Pride in Washington, D.C., where we just launched our new station happy pride all of you back in dc happy pride in boston channel q will be out there in boston and also happy pride key west florida philadelphia new orleans and pittsburgh everybody have a very happy pride weekend it is uh the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall uh, uprising. And uh, thank you, um, Stormy Leveret, Marsha Johnson, and Sylvia Rivera, the three uh, women of color, two of them being trans women, who were actually at the center of the Stonewall uprising in New York City that fateful evening. It appears that the New York City Police Commissioner has issued an apology 50 years later, and uh, well, on behalf of LGBT people everywhere, we say thank you for the apology, but can we also say thank you for the uprising? Because even though it was unjust and inequitable and unfair and many lives were destroyed, by that police oppression would we be where we are today had it not been for not only the stonewall uprising but the black cat uprising in los angeles the cooper's donuts uprising 10 years before that I mean, all of the oppression by the government, by the state, by the church, by our families, all of that oppression that happened led us to become a fortified community, blazoned in fire and fury. And uh, we would not have a modern LGBT uh, community had it not been for those dark, dark, dark episodes in our past. So, all right, New York City Police Commissioner, we accept your apology, but at the same time, thank you, because uh, you helped us solidify and fortify ourselves to become who we are today all right what's happening today So we've got a few great guests coming, as always, here on the sidebar. Our first segment, we're going to interview uh, Reverend Denise Barnes from the United Methodist Church. There has been a recent schism in the Methodist Church over LGBT issues with the church, in essence, splitting apart uh, over uh, the consideration of LGBT equality. And Reverend Denise finds herself in the middle of all that. She is the pastor and the most revered uh, at the church at the corner of Hollywood and Highland in Hollywood, California and if you are familiar with Southern California that part of Southern California you'll know it as the church with the steeple with the big red ribbon on it that red ribbon has been there since the early days of the epidemic it has been a symbol of hope and comfort for those of us who mourned and lost so many. And uh, it was a reminder to all of us that not all people uh, who are religious, uh, not all churches uh, were anti-LGBT, that there were those on the, I don't wanna say the religious left, maybe I'll say the religious left to counter the religious right, but there were churches that were actually fulfilling their mission, of taking care of those who were sick and suffering. So we'll talk to Reverend Denise first. And then uh, we've got uh, the incredible Michael Bussey we'll be calling in. All right, so Michael, was the founder of Exodus International. Exodus, you heard me. This was the organization started in the 80s to assist homosexual people out of their deviant lifestyle. And Michael was one of those that started and created Exodus. And just to show you that God has a brilliant sense of humor, he ended up meeting Gary Cooper, and the two of them fell in love and left Exodus and said, huh? That didn't really work, (laughs) but instead he found love. Sadly, we lost Gary uh, in the epidemic, but uh, Michael is still here, and he will be calling in from Riverside, California, the Inland Empire, to check in and tell us all a bit about that incredible journey that he went on. Uh, We're going to have somebody popping in from Bud Light, because Bud Light, a big sponsor of LGBT. Pride festivals everywhere. And then we're going to round out the day with Ryland Shelton and Sonia Brenna. Now, okay, Rylan has this, I don't know if you know this, but when transgender men and women uh, transition, uh, obviously there are physical adjustments that are made to body form and shape and hormonal differences that occur to uh, assist in the gender transition. But one of the things that doesn't change are vocal cords. Vocal cords do not change. And so Rylan started a company Uh, To, uh, in essence, use music techniques to teach people how to change their vocalization to match their gender identity. See,
1: that's really interesting because I never knew that. I thought once, you know, they went through the process, like the voice changed with it doesn't.
0: And, and one of the things of the Trans Chorus of Los Angeles, I've been sort of helping along since the beginning, have uh, instead of uh, soprano, tenor, baritone, bass, right. or alto, the normal voice ranges, they have low, middle, and high because you know they'll have trans women who sing bass ah. <laughs> and they'll have trans men who sing soprano because right. the vocal cords didn't move. But Rylan started this uh, thing, uh, a, vo- a vocalization technique using music theory, to teach those trans men and women who wanted to adjust their voices to match their gender identity. Not everyone does, and not sure anyone ever have to, but he started this uh, company for those trans women and men that wanted uh, their voices to more closely align with their gender identity, and uh, he will be coming on to talk about that and bringing one of his clients, Sonia Brenna, who's actually uh, done that. So. That's our show. We're going to have a little bit of religion, uh, a little bit of Bud Light, a little bit of trans world, and uh, we'll be kicking off Pride Month uh, next week, if you're tuning in. The incredible Margaret Cho will be my guest in studio, hilarious, hilarious bisexual good friend of mine, and uh, I just love her, brilliant comedian, and uh, you have to be ready with the censor button, Jason, because she tends to drop the F-bomb all the time.
1: Oh, I'll be ready. You Don't to, worry about it. You'll
0: have to be ready. But
1: I love her stuff. I've seen her on, on TV, oh, and, and her comedy is great.
0: She is yeah. incredible. Yeah. She'll be in studio, along with, uh, we're having Lieutenant Don Mueller from the L.A. County Sheriff's coming back, and he's actually bringing in some of the trans sheriffs here in Los Angeles oh. County. Yeah, L.A. County has 12 transgender members of the Sheriff's Department, so uh, he's going to be bringing at least one or two of them by to talk to us. But that's next week. So, all right, got to focus on this week, and uh, then we'll get to next week. So, I just want to i just have to comment i'm not going to go deep into detail right now maybe i will later in the month of june but uh donald trump uh, for the trumpsters have been saying that he is the first republican president to acknowledge pride month from the white house that is true he did. But he and his administration have attacked the LGBT community almost 100 times in the past two and a half years, making him the worst president on LGBT issue issues in the history of the nation. And if you want a list of all of those 92 times, you can go to the GLAD website. They have the Trump Accountability Project, or you can read up on it in, in the LGBTQ Nation A hundred times, almost a hundred times, the Trump administration has attacked us so far, and we're not even through the first term. So, Donald, it's more than making a proclamation. It's actually doing the walk and walking the talk, or, well, you know what I meant, walking the walk and talking the talk. All right, enough about all that. We'll be back after this quick break. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Call
2: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: All right. I love this song. And, of course, now I can't think of the title, Jason. Who was that? And what was... Hazier,
1: I think, is the name. Okay. Hazier,
0: take me to church. Take me to church. That's Got it. And gang, we're about to take you all to church because our very <laughs> first guest is the Reverend Denise Barnes from the United Methodist Church here in Los Angeles. Welcome, Denise.
3: Hi. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> great to have
0: you here. Now, there is a current... Uh, I don't want to say breakup, but there's a current, I guess, a schism, breakup. I mean, catastrophe almost in the Methodist Church. What can you describe? What's going on?
3: Sure. So, um, in the 1970s, the in our Book of Discipline, which is our book of rules that we use to govern ourselves, um, the language "homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching" was added. And so for the last 40-some years, we've been fighting to get that language removed. Um, And we had a special called General Conference this year in February to um, figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to go forward. And the result of that was um, a traditional plan was passed, which meant that that language was, in fact, strengthened. Mm. Um, The word practicing was removed. So now if you've ever publicly anywhere declared that you are not heterosexual. And avowed
0: homosexual. Avaled. I remember that language, an avowed.
3: Right. Self avowed. Yeah, somebody yeah. once asked
0: me if I was an avowed and practicing homosexual. I said, of course, otherwise, what's the point?
3: Exactly. <laughs> if, yeah, quite, quite. Wow. And
0: that was that in the 70s? Was that a response to the sexual revolution that was going on in this yeah, country? Yeah, I think, elsewhere? you know,
3: culture dictates very much what goes on, and that was added at the time. Um, and as I say, we've been fighting it ever since, and we find ourselves now in this situation where the language is strengthened, um, and the church is facing probably a split because of that.
0: Mm. I mean, not the first time that's happened in Protestantism. I mean, that is the history of Protestantism: is schism and and people forking out in different directions.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard a, a Jewish um, speaker say that um, if only Christians could be like Jewish people, where they could sit and argue a room and all leave as friends. We wouldn't have so many denominations.
0: That's a very good point. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. So, what's going to? What is it? Is there a practical effect on your church? I mean, do you do marriages for uh, same gender couples? Or
3: so we made the decision at our church um, in Hollywood um, that nothing was going to change. Um, we would continue to perform same sex or same gender weddings. Obviously, if we felt that that was the right thing for the couple involved, um, and that myself as um, a lesbian and I'm. Commissioned, but not ordained, but that the church is going to continue to support me towards ordination, hopefully next year, um, which is something that the new rules don't allow.
0: The Methodist Church does not allow women to be ordained, like the Catholics. Lesbian women. Only lesbian women. So, because you are an avowed and practicing lesbian, you cannot be ordained, whereas a heterosexual woman could. Yes. Yeah, that's just not right.
3: That's just not no, right. Just it's, not right. You know, it's caused a huge amount of pain and harm. Yeah, um, Our church probably has um, at least 50% LGBTQ identified membership. Mm. And um, when you hear the stories that some people tell you of the damage and the harm that the church has done to them, and when you come to our church and you see the gifts and graces of every single member of that church mm-hmm. and all they have to offer and all they are as Christians, you, you, it doesn't add up. You know, you just can't see how anybody could say that God is not working and moving through our community. Right. So
0: what what's behind it? Is it people from the deep south in this country? Is, are they aligned with other forces around the world? Or what would you attribute it to?
3: So we're a global church. So we have a presence across the world and we have a large presence in places like Korea, the Philippines, Africa, Aww. where their rules on homosexuality culturally are very different they to execute. Ours.
0: They execute gays in Africa. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
3: I mean, we think our lives are at risk, but over there they really are
0: right.
3: um, seriously at risk. And so they tend to vote with the, I think, 30% of Americans who agree that homosexuality is a sin, um, and their numbers are greater than the 70% of Americans who voted for a one-church plan option
0: wow yeah. so what happens then do two methodist churches uh,
3: end up getting created
0: or a methodist church of the us of a or how does it end up
3: we don't really know right now mm. we're doing a lot of work at figuring out what a new church will look like and and who's going to go and where they're going to go you know the united methodist brand is broken now mm. um and we have an opportunity to create something exciting, something fresh, something wonderful, something where all truly means all. Right. and where your church is known for the church that does the mission work, you know? So how much better to have, rather than, um, that's the queer church, or that's the black church, or that's the Korean church, to have churches that, that's the church that does the ministry on the border with the immigrants, or that's the church that works with the homeless population and does a great outreach. Mm. I'd far rather our church was known for that, right. than um, the church that doesn't allow gay people in the door that,
0: that is so true and you know this is, you're not the first now, obviously the Episcopalians had to go through this and, and I think uh, the Mormons are still going through it Jewish community pretty much they're okay <laughs> they're okay even the orthodox I think are coming along in the Jewish community uh, We, uh, Jason here my beautiful producer is actually a Muslim and so we had Muslims for Progressive Values oh, as a guest uh, one week so we know that's they're a little further back but I mean it seems like religion's having to tangle with all of this
3: right I'm part of the Los Angeles Queer Clergy Consortium and Methodists for Progressive Values are on that um, and there's Jewish folk and, oh. um, and other denominations Christian denominations also so yeah, we are getting together. We are trying to work together. So
0: it, You know, it's so fascinating because I think a lot of social justice movements come out of spiritually based churches and organizations. I mean, the African-American community wouldn't be where they were had it not been for First AME Church. And that's part of your Methodist uh, denomination, correct?
3: That's correct, and if you go back even further and look at why John Wesley created the Methodist church in the first place, and bearing in mind he didn't go out to create a church, he created a a way for people who weren't welcome in the church to go to church, Hmm. and to have a faith, and he took the faith to them. So everything to do with Methodism is based on social justice, Um, and that's why this is so hard to swallow when, you know, this isn't social justice, what we're going through right now. No, it's not. And
0: of course, I think the most prominent member of your church... In my mind is Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, longtime Methodist, and right. uh, and I must be like uh, killing her too to watch her church that because her dad I think was a Methodist minister from what I remember.
3: Uh, yeah, she's certainly been very heavily involved in the Methodist Church for all her life. Yeah, she hasn't spoken out about this issue. Um, it would be interesting to hear what she's got to say. I of would course. be interested yeah. to hear what she
0: has to say <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I I hope it all works out because uh united uh, your church in particular has been very important uh to los angeles really
3: absolutely and <laughs> I was, we continue to plan to be that way i was
0: telling our listeners before you walked into the studio that your church is the one at the corner of hollywood boulevard uh, hollywood and highland with the big red ribbon on the steeple
3: that's the one yeah, yeah.
0: what's the history behind the big red ribbon do you know
3: um so, obviously, it was before my time there, um, but um, the red ribbons were put up during the AIDS crisis, um, particularly when it got so bad that um, people suffering from AIDS weren't allowed in doctor's offices or hospitals, and many public buildings were closed to them. Our church put up the ribbons so that they knew that they were welcome to walk in our doors.
0: Right. Right down the street is my church, St. Thomas the Apostle mm-hmm. Episcopalian, which is at Hollywood Boulevard and Gardner, and uh, the Reverend Carol barber is now deceased, but he he had the same issue about he had all these congregants who were living with HIV and AIDS that were very sick. I mean, this is before there were any you know, pills or right. medications. So he had parishioners with Kaposi's sarcoma on their arms and faces that were wasting away, who were dying horrible, tragic deaths. And he just got up in front of the congregation and said, uh, this is exactly who Jesus would minister to. We are going to take on HIV and AIDS head on and be a supportive and loving church. And half the church walked out. His church split in half when he made that declaration.
3: Yes, and I think that um, the same thing happened at Hollywood UMC also. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So amazing when people are not consistent with their religious values. Right, I,
3: right. It goes to the, not in my backyard, right? Yeah, it's it, okay it, in, in someone else's, but not in mine.
0: I mean, I, I, you read the Old and the New Testament, and there's verse after verse after verse about taking care of the poor, and taking care of the children, or the elderly, or the sick, or those exactly. who hunger, and, I mean,
3: everything. And then in
0: practice, it just seems to be lost sometimes. Yeah. yeah. There's
3: a great word called mishport. That's what God shows us how to do. It's a Hebrew word meaning justice, and it means social justice for all. God used it all the time. Jesus showed us how to do it.
0: Wow, awesome. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.
2: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
0: You know, I don't even know what that song is, but I would dance to it, Jason. What is that? Who, who are we listening to there? Swedish
4: House Mafia. I love it. All right. Don't you worry, child.
0: Don't you worry, child. <laughs> and, and, and that's a good message for our next segment here. We are talking with the Reverend Denise Barnes from the uh, United Methodist Church here in Los Angeles. And um, thanks again, Denise, for coming on the show today. Thank you. We were talking about um, your ministry, and uh, it's obvious from your accent that you're are not from South Carolina or New York City. <laughs> You're from England, London.
3: That's right. I grew up um, in. I was born in London. Grew up in the south of England, and um, I, I had a number of careers before I, I um, left England. I was a. Uh, my first degree is in electronics and telecommunications engineering. Oh
0: my gosh! Um,
3: and then I became a special ed teacher. Then I packed it all up and went traveling, and. Um, Landed in Santa Barbara, beautiful um, part of the world. Yeah, moved to Ohio, which is
0: another beautiful part. Where of the my world. heart is. Yes. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And um, finally, got round to answering the call God had placed on my life. Mm-hmm. And, um,
0: and what year was that? You became a, a reverend.
3: I was commissioned last year. So in in the um, United Methodist Church, it's a two part process. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're commissioned as a provisional elder, and then in two years you can apply for full ordination. So I'm in the middle of that right now.
0: Wow, and you said your congregation is about half LGBT. Yes, I mean, one of your ushers is my dear friend Rance Collins. So, oh. I hate to Rance, if you're listening in today, <laughs> Rance. But um, uh, and this congregation, I think, does a lot of service in and around Hollywood. You have A lot of homelessness service and things like that.
3: Right. That's right. Yeah. So we have, we feed over 120 homeless folk every Tuesday. Um, we provide lunches and clothing. Um, and access to services. We also run a health fair now, once a once a quarter, where they, um, we get the agencies to come to us, so that we. And once the homeless people come visit, they have access to all the different services that are available to them. Mm.
0: You know, what always interests me about this is half of your congregation are members of our community. They're the ones out there volunteering, helping this community in following and acting on their Christian beliefs and values. But there's a narrative out there for LGBTQ people that says you cannot be part of LGBT and also be Christian or be Muslim or be a practicing Jew or that whole narrative is so, it's false, it's false.
3: It, it's really false and, and it's really difficult to navigate. You know, not only do you have to come out as queer, you have to come out as a Christian also and sometimes that's harder than coming out as queer. Yes. Um, I went to a, a, a meetup group group, a group of women, um, just to chat, a lesbian chat group, and everything went really well until I told them I was a pastor. And then literally the conversation dried up and everybody just looked at me.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. And because of the damage that religion probably inflicted in their lives or what they witnessed.
3: Exactly. People just can't understand how we can be queer and Christians. Um, but the thing is, it's not God doing this. It's not God saying that we're not welcome in churches and that we can't be pastors or get married. It's man that's yeah, saying it.
0: it. It's so true. It's a
3: man-made thing, and that's the difference.
0: I was reading some statistics about millennial, young millennials who are Republican who are part of the Trump coalition. They are not Anti-LGBT. In fact, they are pro-LGBT, and they are pro protecting the world from climate change. And their their values are inconsistent with the people in power in Washington. So,
3: yeah, yeah, that's very true, and it's across the board. You know, I mean, um, I do. Um, I also have an appointment as LGBTQIA advocacy coordinator for our conference. So I travel around to our churches giving a talk called Rainbow Havens, which is how to create safe spaces for queer youth and young adults. And part of that, we talk about language and then we talk about statistics. The average age of someone of my age and older for coming out is 39. Wow. Right? The average age now for millennials is 17. Mm. It's a huge change because it's so much more acceptable. It's not the terrifying thing that it was. I'm not saying it's easy now because it's still not easy, but it's a lot easier than it was.
0: Yeah, very true. I came out, I hate to tell you, at 19, (laughs) in the 70s. So I was not, either I was radical or I wasn't very smart. One of the two, but I came out at a very young age in a world that was very hostile to LGBT people. Right. Very. Very very hostile. I, yeah. But I, I think that, you know, the counterweight to the religious right, there has to be a religious left. There has to be voices. There have to be voices out there that bring the essence uh, spirituality and religion into the public sphere
3: that's right and and we do that by showing people right so right. one of our outreaches is I run a small group that meets at Mickey's Bar upstairs oh. it's called Spirit Pub we meet every Tuesday night from 5.30 to 7 we share a meal we share a drink and we chat and it be, it's become a real covenant group of people that take care of each other that talk about their faith in a safe environment and is a great into church if you're scared of being in church because of the harm that's been
0: that is awesome that's true fellowship of the spirit is exactly. what it is i had the uh, opportunity to travel to israel um i guess it was about five six years ago and i of course w- I wanted to see the town of magdal which is where mary magdalene came from and, and mary magdalene has been so treated so poorly by the Christian church. She was a very spiritual woman. She was one of Jesus' closest disciples. She probably would have been ordained a priest had it been allowed in the day. And instead, the church painted her up to be a prostitute, a whore, something that was less than desirable as a way to subject her you know, from not rising to the same level as men.
3: Right. And so this also comes down to the, the big debate about homosexuality in the Bible. You know, you have to remember the context in which the Bible was written. Right. And while the word of of, of Scripture is, is inspired by God, it's written by man. That's right. And it's written in the understanding that they had at that time.
0: All of Leviticus. All of Leviticus, in the same, you know, paragraphs that talk about you shall not lay with a man as you would with a woman, we talk about shellfish, we talk about different fabrics, we exactly. talk about stoning people to death. I mean,
3: exactly. Clearly
0: it's not the moral code for 2019.
3: Well, they thought at the time that men only had a certain amount of semen in their body, so they, you couldn't waste it. It was too precious, right? Uh, you had to preserve the race.
0: So in so, order to preserve uh, your homosexuality, because it was around, the Greeks were practicing homosexuality, the Romans were practicing homosexuality, yet Jesus, Yes never said a word not one single not word,
3: one single word nope. about it nope.
0: during his 33 years on, on the planet
3: well and the word homosexual only ever made it into the bible in 1939 it was never in there before that i didn't know that yeah
0: and then of course paul his letters to romans and other places well paul was a persecutor i mean he was rounding up christians and killing them
3: right a hundred years right. after
0: jesus's death and we're exactly. going to entrust this person to set our moral codes
3: well yeah and and also the um other interesting thing and i'll be really quick is Paul had a list of sins and our Senecoy and Malakoi are two words we don't have proper definitions for, but they were on the list of economic sins, not the list of sins against humans. Wow. So it's talking about a balance of power in relationships rather than same sexes. I love that. Yeah.
0: Anything you want, your website, and you're having a religious service uh, Sunday at sure, the Sure, so right? we're
3: marching in the Pride Parade. We have a float with a band this year, and the Lutherans and the Episcopalians and us are doing a, a service of communion prior. Um, on the corner of Santa Monica and Crescent Heights. Crescent Heights, yep. thank you. Um, so yeah, please come along and join us. And
0: that's at 9.30 or 9? It's nine? at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, Yeah, okay. just
3: prior to the parade. Um, and our website is www.hollywoodumc.org and we'd love to hear from you.
0: Reverend Denise Barnes, you're a treasure. Thank you. I'm so glad you were there and in leading that congregation through some really difficult times. I wish you well. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back. I want an update on what's happening with the Methodists. To. I'd love to. Awesome. All right, gang. Our t- thanks for i love that jason i don't know what it is but i'm kicking my heel i found
1: it i was like let's go with it let's
0: do it we are going to talk next uh with jen Wynn from bud light who is here but before we do that i want to wish a happy pride to everyone here in los angeles it's christopher street west weekend and happy pride to those of you uh look for channel q in sacramento this weekend look for channel q in washington dc look for channel q in Boston uh, all having pride weekends this year and of course happy pride people in Key West Florida Philadelphia PA down in New Orleans and the Big Easy and Pittsburgh Pennsylvania everyone have a great pride weekend Jen when welcome to sidebar John Duran nice to have you here
5: thank you for having me yeah. I'm excited to be here
0: yeah we love it now tell me a bit Bud Light has been involved with the community for a long time
5: yeah yeah we have so obviously we've been a sponsor um, and partner of Christopher Street West and LA Pride for some time, and it's actually just one of the ten parades that we actually, or festivals, I misspoke there, that we sponsor just in California alone.
0: Which is awesome. So,
5: yeah. So, um, anyways, yeah, um, I. But I would say one of the biggest partnerships that we're proud of is is our partnership with Glad. This is our twentieth year, and I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Um, but if you guys go to your local bar, you guys should see these like rainbow. Bud Light aluminum bottles that we just released for for Pride Month?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, I have one here in studio and it's got a beautiful little reading on the Bud Light bottle. It looks really nice. It's really gorgeous and... uh This is the famous Bud Light beer, brewed for the many who've opened eyes and hearts and minds, who've spoken out, stood tall, and loved with pride, and for the many who on this day, in this moment, want the world to hear the truest truest truth about themselves and see things as they can be, we celebrate. Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty powerful. Yeah,
5: yeah. We even updated um, our iconic crest, Um, and so, yeah, with words of inclusivity and support. Um, So it's not just a rainbow, it stands for so much more than that. So yeah.
0: I have to tell people because some of our listeners may not know this but we had a, we had Cleve Jones on the show a few weeks ago who was Harvey Milk's assistant in uh, San Francisco. He's actually featured in the movie Milk and Cleve reminded everybody of the history that we had with the Coors beer boycott. Now, During the 1970s the Coors family was going after not just the United Farm Workers but going after LGBT people funding millions of dollars to foundations that were prosecuting LGBT people. So our first introduction was an anti-beer. <laughs> we were actually oh, no. pouring Coors beer into the gutters uh, in the Castro, in West Hollywood, in New York City. And into that void, uh, this is probably before your time, but Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, stepped in and said, we're there, we're, we'll fill this vacuum, we'll fill this void.
5: Wow, I, I did not know that. But... I know,
0: you're young. You're young. <laughs> you and Jason are my millennials in the studio, so you, you don't have to know all that. I'm old, on the other hand, so I do know little details like that. So, long histories. So we appreciate all the years of support.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, I, I feel, um, actually Sherry over there, um, she, like she doesn't know this, but I actually I feel personally attached to, to this project as well because I do identify with the LGBTQ commu- community. Um, and that's just actually something that I realized maybe about two-ish years ago. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So
5: yeah, um, Sherry actually knows this over there. I was engaged to a really great man prior Oh. to that, and then I called her love because, called it off because I fell in love with someone else.
0: Who was not uh, a man. <laughs> <laughs> was not a man. Yeah, I just outed you, Jen Wynn on <laughs> national radio, so you're welcome. <laughs> I helped you skip a few steps. Sherry <laughs> has no idea either. <laughs> That's incredible. That is really awesome. And I know it's always... Uh, um, because I have many my family uh, my sister is married to a Filipino my uh, nephew is married to a Korean woman Mm -hmm. and I know that the culture the Asian culture is very strong about marriage and children and proper roles for gender so when somebody comes out in the Asian community I'm like two thumbs up because that takes ganyas yeah
5: Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process like my family's been super supportive my dad definitely was a lot of word vomit and yeah. then after a few hours, he like texts me, he was like, "You know what? I love you no matter what. They'll You're get their daughter. I was like
0: they'll get there they always get there. Yeah. I came out in the 70s I know that was a long time ago I know so I guess before yes your,
1: your before lifetime. either exactly. of you were
0: born and my mother was one of the founding uh, mothers in East LA around uh, PFLAG Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays and the young Latina mothers would always come to her because i have been out for so long saying weren't you upset when you know John came out of the closet and told you he was gay and she'd say no I was upset when my son Tony came out and told me he was a Republican that really that really <laughs> Frosted me. <laughs> That's my mom's humor. But uh, so, uh, two thumbs up to you. Oh, thank well, thank you, you for being part. Of, you're going to ride on the float then, I assume. No.
5: What? No. You've got to ride no. on the Santa you know, Monica we, Boulevard. Uh, we have about ten, ten to twelve spots. So, so there's definitely uh, other members of our uh, contingent. We have about a hundred people that will be marching. So, so. Anybody who wanted to dance for the mile and a half, I was like, you go for it. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, um, I'll be there. I'll be passing out. So so we'll have like a bunch of uh, Bud Light Flies. That's awesome. Little chachis to, to give out to, to people sitting and watching.
0: That's really awesome. You know, the Disney employees have been riding down Santa Monica Boulevard for a long time now. But for the first time this year, Disney has put Mickey and Minnie in Paris Pride, which is uh, great to see because it means just a matter of time before we get Mickey and Minnie at Christopher oh, Street West. Absolutely. I'm going to push for it for next year for the 50-year anniversary of Christopher Street West. I feel
5: like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. You, like, you should. I mean, it's the 50th anniversary. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems kind of funky, but when you got Mickey and Minnie in the parade, you know you've arrived. So, oh,
5: absolutely. Uh, I yeah. mean, I mean, come on. They're like they're based out there in Burbank. Disneyland's down the street. I, I
0: know. Well, here, here's my little another little story. So back in the 70s, I was torturing myself for being uh, Christian and homosexual at the same time, thinking that that was incompatible, right? So I prayed to God. I said, I have got to get away from Los Angeles because it's corrupting my soul. I need to go somewhere. Where the kids are clean cut, all American, conservative to save my life, save my soul. And I got a job at Disneyland in Anaheim <laughs> not realizing I had just thrown myself into the hotbed of homosexuality because everybody who worked at Disneyland was gay. Had, <laughs> within three months I was dating Peter Pan. True story. True oh, wow. story. We actually had him on the show once. Dennis Osborne he yeah, used yeah. to play Peter Pan at Disneyland. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We've got to wrap up but uh, any last minute words to our listeners about uh, no, this weekend?
2: No. Yeah,
5: um, have fun. Drink responsibly. Stay yes. safe. Yes. And happy pride.
0: Happy pride everyone. That's Jen Wynn from Bud Light, glad to have her on board. Bud, thank you for being such a strong supporter of the LGBT community and glad. And uh, we'll be back after this talking to Michael Bussey, former founder of Exodus International. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Even if I wanted to, I love this song, Jason, but I forget the name of the artist who sings it, but I love it anyway.
1: I, I, I actually forgot the name too, but it's. Uh, I know it's Macklemore. He's Macklemore ever- and Ryan
0: and uh, and uh, same and
1: love, same love, that's and
0: it. it's Mary something. Mary Lambert, Mary Lambert. There we that's go. That's it. That's it. <laughs> there we go. See what happens when you get a baby boomer millennial. Eventually, we'll get the answer together. <laughs> we are going to talk to the incredible Michael Bussey next, who is calling in from Riverside, California. Michael, one of the founders of Exodus International, way back in the 1980s. Michael,
4: welcome to the show, babe. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. It
0: has been a long time. You know, we have people tuning in uh, from Los Angeles to New York and all places in between and a lot of small towns, and there may be some people, either younger or older, who don't know what Exodus was. Can you tell them?
4: Well, I'm kind of happy that they don't know what it was. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Let me explain it. Um, Back in the early 1970s, there was this movement kind of in response to the American Psychiatric Association um, removing homosexuality as an illness, churches stepped in, especially uh, conservative churches, anti-gay churches, and started forming ex-gay ministries. And I got caught up in one of those. Um, I I had grown up at a time when it was a crime, a sickness, and a sin to be gay, and I bullied all my life in elementary school and junior high, and I wanted more than anything else to stop that bullying, and I thought the only way I could stop it was by not being gay anymore, and the church promised that. They said with enough faith, you could overcome your, what they called same-sex desires and become heterosexual. Of course, that never worked, but um, that's what I got caught up in, and that's what I believe because that's what was being told to me. And
0: uh, then the story goes on. You met somebody named Gary Cooper.
4: Right. I started a ministry at Melody Land Christian Center, which is across the street from Disneyland. Isn't that funny? We were just
0: talking about Disneyland. <laughs> yeah,
4: I was listening. Um, it was a, um, a previous theater in the round, and this very conservative, charismatic church bought the old theater. And started holding miracle services and prayer services. It was kind of a huge mega church, actually. And in 1974, I started a little prayer group for members of the church who were trying to figure out what it meant to be Christian and also be gay. And initially, we weren't about changing orientation. We were just about getting together and trying to figure out what we thought God wanted us to do. And in um, 74,
0: we, homosexuality was a crime in California.
4: Yes, it still was, yeah. Um, so, it's believing, as the Church taught, that if you had enough faith and prayed enough, um, we embarked on this little prayer group and called it Exit, because we thought you could exit homosexuality. Um, and we had about, oh, 12 or 15 guys that would come every Tuesday night for this prayer group to confess their sins and receive prayer and, and hope that God would change them. Um, in 1976, we started hearing about other small ministries that were popping up around the country, and we decided to hold a conference there at Melody Land in 1976, and that's where Exodus International was born. Exodus was kind of a loose-knit coalition of these ministries, um, and we really believe we called it Exodus because we thought we'd lead, you know, thousands and thousands of people out of the wilderness of same-sex attraction. Of course, it it actually did the opposite. It made people depressed and, and despondent and guilt-ridden and even suicidal. So I began to see pretty early on that it wasn't working. And not only that, uh, it was harming people. And then I met somebody uh, who came to the program and fell in love with him, <laughs> which I didn't, which I didn't expect.
0: I love this. I, this just shows me one: God has a sense of humor, and two: there should be yeah. a movie made about your life because <laughs> I think it is just the height of irony and uh, good fortune that you met Gary Cooper and that happened.
4: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. His name was Gary Cooper, but they said, there's this guy that wants to talk to you because he knows that you've changed your orientation. And so I set up an appointment to meet with him. I thought, I haven't changed my orientation. Well, the minute I laid eyes on him, I was head over heels in love with him. He was also married at that time, like I was. He had a child, so I could relate to him a lot. And we started holding the uh, prayer group together uh, and eventually realized that... um, We had feelings for each other that we couldn't die.
0: This is a Hollywood movie. If any of you Hollywood producers are listening in, this is a great movie, (laughs) y'all. And
4: then you you came along. Yeah, I did. Um, Yeah. In 1979, Gary and I got tired of pretending and um, decided to come out. So we left the ministry, left Exodus, left our wives and our kids, and held a commitment ceremony. Um, and stayed together for many, many years until his death. Um, But you heard about our coming out, and you asked if we'd be willing to tell our story to a reporter in Anaheim, in your office in Anaheim at that time. And I thought that would be the end of it. We talked to this one reporter, um, but I didn't realize that when you talk to one reporter, it kind of hits the news wires. So we started getting (laughs) phone calls of, these two former founders of Exodus International who had fallen in love with each other and who were denouncing ex gay programs. So I really thank you for doing that. Especially during uh Gay Pride Month you were the ones that the one that really helped us find our sense of pride and our sense of purpose.
0: Oh, it makes me feel good to hear that. I I just wanted you to speak your truth. So uh, Yep.
4: Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you gave us that opportunity And we went on Gary, um, in the late, um, uh, in the early 1980s actually was diagnosed with AIDS. Um, and we knew that our time was limited and it was actually Gary that said, Mike, we need to speak out. You know, these programs are hurting people. And so we started that journey and kept speaking out until he passed away. Um, early 1990s and I've been doing it ever since. Um, because these programs not only are ineffective but extremely harmful and do a lot of uh, emotional, psychological, and spiritual damage, not only to the person who seeks out these kind of programs, but also to their loved ones and families who feel that they did something wrong to cause their loved one to be gay, which, of course, is a bunch of hogwash. But um, the damage is incredible. Um, The good news is that there are now there's now a coalition of 24 former uh, ex-gay leaders who are speaking out in unison against these programs, including some of the most well-known former leaders of Exodus, including people like Randy Thomas and John Polk and Alan Chambers, all have joined together to denounce these programs and to call for a ban on the practice that is awesome. 24
0: that is awesome michael we've got less than like 30 seconds you have a website or a way of people to contact you if they're listening in and they have some ex-gay ministry in town they want to confront you a way of people to contact you
4: they could uh, certainly um contact me by email i'd be happy to respond to them or um I'm on Facebook,
0: too. We're friends on Facebook. Michael Bussey. Yes, we are. (laughs) B-U-S-S-E-E. Yes. That's awesome, Michael. Well, Michael, happy Pride Week. You put the P in Pride, man, because your story is incredible, and in essence, you have ended up saving many, many souls.
4: Well, thank you very much, John. And again, thank you for kicking us in the butt, Gary and me, to speak up and speak out, and it's made a lot of difference in my life and i hope in other people's lives as well
0: jason my producer has already given the thumbs up and you need to come back for another show in the later in the year so i hope you'll come back we'd love to hear more from you
4: i'd be happy to do it anytime
0: all right thanks gang we'll be back after this commercial break thanks for tuning in to sidebar with john duran here on channel q
5: giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's
4: Tay in the UK.
5: Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. <laughs>
0: masculine women and feminine men from the 1930s even back in the 1930s LGBT people existed and were portrayed radio film and movie making and then the Hayes Code came along in the 1930s and completely eliminated us from any portrayal in the media. A little ancient LGBT history there for you all. We are about to enter into a topic that I find really really interesting uh, and uh, we've got Ryland Shelton and Sonia Brenna in studio. Welcome Ryland. Thank you. You so much. Sonia, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, Rylan, rather than me try to describe what you do and completely muck it up, why don't you tell people <laughs> sure what it is? Do, I, I would yeah. struggle. Why don't you? Why don't you tell people what you do?
1: Um, well, I am a vocal coach by trade. That's what I do day in and day out here in LA. Um, and I've designed a vocal development program for the trans community called True Voice, that uses musical technique to access and cultivate aspects of a person's vocal instrument with the goal of then applying that development to a speaking voice that more authentically expresses the person with regard to their self-identified gender. All right, very cool. I know the Trans Chorus
0: of Los Angeles, uh, they were birthed out of the Gay Men's Chorus of LA where I was on the Mm -hmm. board for many years. And I know that the uh, arrangements for the Trans Chorus are not in typical soprano, alto, baritone, tenor, bass, but rather low... Middle and high, yeah, because gender fluidity happens in the trans chorus, and people sing parts then, sure. that are not necessarily traditionally associated with gender. Well, and that can also be pretty
1: dysmorphic for people going through a gender transition to be assigned as a soprano when, when that's you sing bass. They identify, when you yeah, sing yeah base, exactly. Right. So. Brenna,
0: you did this. Why did you decide to to go through this?
6: Well, I'm an FGM transgender woman. MTF, actually. I mm. get so confused about it myself. <laughs> um, transition was fairly easy for me in terms of passing as a woman. That's what I wanted to do. I'm not speaking on behalf of all yes. transgender. There's a lot of fluidity right. for me. I wanted to be perceived as a woman. And um, so I looked good. And then I'm at the cash register checking out, buying groceries. And they say, sir. And that kind of shocked me. I go, what? What? Right. So, I realized I need to start working on my voice. The second hurdle is when you're making phone calls. That's when it's really painful. Like, the you know, so you call your credit card company, and you've changed your name and everything, and you're like, I'm Sonia. And they say, sir. So, it's very, I mean, for me, that's very that was very difficult. Yes. And uh, I was surprised, because transition was sort of n- natural, like, This is who I am, I finally found out who I am, and it happened naturally. And I had the expectation that, well, obviously, my voice should change naturally too, but it didn't.
0: Right, the vocal cords don't change uh, during the transition. No, if you're
6: born male, and you went through puberty and everything, you're gonna have a male voice, and even if you take female hormones, that's not gonna change.
0: Right, right. It's,
6: It's different for female to male, the moment they start taking testosterone, the voices begin dropping. I mean, it takes a while, but mm. they do have sort of a more deeper voice. So here you are. If I were to speak with my full on male voice, it would be like a parlor trick. Right. And it would be like a mismatch. And right. So it was very important as part of my transition to be perceived as female even when I'm speaking. In fact, even right now, I'm still worried about it. Like, what are people going to hear on the radio?
0: I think they're hearing a feminine voice, a female voice. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Well,
6: that's fantastic. Then uh, I started taking an acting class. A bit of a cliche here in LA, obviously, but for me, that was completely... I had social anxiety and I was in group therapy and they said, oh, why don't you take an acting class? Okay, I started doing that and again, the first thing was, who what are they going to perceive me as? They see that I'm female, but I outed myself right away. Still, what kind of roles am I going to be playing now? And I get assigned female roles, thankfully. But I was always holding back because I was afraid, well, if I start playing an angry woman, I can do that because the moment I start raising my voice, I'm going to sound like really my powerful male voice is going to come out. Mm. And that was one of the reasons why I started working with Ryland. Mm. And he was very... I mean, I have to say, actually amazing. Yeah. Because it's not about just the technique. There's a lot of people who have techniques. And, you know, I had already worked on my technique a little bit. But there was always a strain and a discomfort. And I was never... You know, it's like... I don't know how to describe it. anyway. But Ryland, he had a different approach and he was also very mindful of the psychology behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. Rather, why did you start this? this brings up a very
0: yeah, good question. That's why a great why question. did you start this? Um,
1: I saw that the, in terms of what's happening in the country um, it, it was about July I guess when Trump announced uh, the transgender military ban. Yeah. It was the summer almost two years ago and I had been working on um, an entertainment project at the time. I found that particularly devastating as a member of the queer community, um, and to marginalize further the most marginalized among us was a particularly low blow. Um, and it also had me feeling a little bit powerless. Like, what happens next, you know? And how can what, what can I bring to the table in order to mitigate, to stem this sort of fear and separation and those sort of impulses Mm -hmm. on the darkest and you're a vocal coach and I'm a vocal coach. That's what you do. Yeah, that's 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 what I do. So I work with music um, and I work with entertainers to help them adjust their range to bring out the most authentic expression of their voice in performance. And I saw that this was something that this was where I could, uh, I could help. I could become involved in this conversation that has, just absolutely captivated the country um, over the course of the last couple of years in a way that it hasn't throughout all of the history of um, gay rights in this country. And so helping people authentically and yet healthfully and conscientiously uh, adjust their instrument or find new ways to use their instrument that more authentically express them is is what i can do and so i decided that there was something and sonia was actually my very first private client and we had known each other we were acquaintances Mm -hmm. we had friends in common and seen each other um at social functions and things like that um and we found ourselves having a conversation one day and i made some observations about her voice that i wanted to know more about Mm -hmm. and without (laughs) you'll you'll correct me if i misquote Mm -hmm. you right sonia but she said basically that she doesn't want. I, I I said to her, it seems like you're holding back, and it seems like uh, you have brilliant things to say, and I, I can just I, I can never hear them. What's holding you back in terms of using your voice? And she she articulated that it, it, she felt like it betrayed her. Mm-hmm. It had sort of come to the point where it was undoing all of this fantastic work that she'd done to authentically express herself mm-hmm. physically and visually but yet she didn't want to be heard she didn't want to be heard in the room and to me as someone whose voice is so at the core of who i am and who i believe that it's so strong and identifying for people right um that was a heartbreak that was that was a moment where i understood like no matter what happens for visibility for trans people if we can't give them an opportunity to feel like they authentically express themselves vocally and tell their stories and be heard, then we'll only get so far.
2: Mm,
0: really good points. So musical techniques, now, you know, I know just enough about singing to be a danger to myself and others, but uh, but uh, people who sing can either sing through the mask, as sure. it's called, it, which means the face, the nose, the nasal chamber, or they can sing from a far deeper place down, right. down here, way down yeah.
1: here. Are
0: those the sort of musical techniques that you employ Yeah, singing
1: from the mask? So what you're talking about is the core principle of my work, whether I'm working with cisgender, transgender, entertainers, non-entertainers, is about resonance and finding um, a way to make contact with resonance in your instrument that you might not make contact with on a daily basis. Hmm. Our brains do a really good job of making a shortcut for us in terms of speech, especially, and says like, okay, you don't have to think about this anymore. This is how you do it. And so that's particularly hard to circumvent, especially with a speaking voice. More
0: about all this when we come back from commercial break, gang. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Miss Dolly Parton traveling through from Transparent, yeah. Oh, this is a fascinating conversation. I'm so glad we're having it. And you know, Sonia brought up a really good point about finding authentic self. And I know for a lot of gay men um, who have been gifted with a lisp or an Mm effeminate-sounding voice, uh, for years and decades they do everything they can to hide it, to stifle it, to like to hold back, like Rylan was describing. And and part of the struggle of the coming out process is to either Double down Mm -hmm. on what you got Mm -hmm. or to make adjustments. And either way, it's whatever would be good. Because I know there's a lot of non conforming gender right now, a lot of gender fluidity happening in the community uh, all across LGBT. People are finding their own voice and how to make, uh, how to express it. So this conversation
1: to me is really interesting for so many levels. Well, and I I would. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to clarify that what I do, I don't believe that there is one way to sound like a woman and one way to sound like a man. And I don't really see that as having a really important place in where the national conversation on being queer and what it means to be queer moves forward. Right. Um, I think that what I do... What the. My central goal with my work is to get people to feel comfortable with their own voice, right. rather uh, not without regard to fulfilling somebody else's expectations yes. about what that means, especially when it, in terms of gender. When you feel good about the voice that you use, You come across as you and people will always have holdouts about their perception and, you know, what they're willing to accept in terms of what they see in front of them. There will just always be those people, right? Yeah. But if you feel good about what is coming through you, how you are expressing yourself, then... There's no limit to who you can reach, to what you can achieve. You know, I uh, way back in my early
0: years of my law career, way back, way back, like back in the uh, 80s, I represented these two lesbian women who were confronted at the Orange County Fairgrounds and they, they were called sir. They were called men even though they were just very – oh, I remember what it was. They were bodybuilders. They were lesbian bodybuilders. And the Mm -hmm. Costa Mesa police kept referring them as men, Mm -hmm. sir, and they kept saying, we're women, we're women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the police finally took them behind a tent to do a genital inspection. Oh, my God. To determine, because they came out of the women's restroom, <laughs> they wanted to prosecute them for being in the wrong gender restroom. To me, that was the most horrible thing I'd ever talk about treating people so indecently. Mm-hmm. You know, And we ended up suing and winning, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah I'm glad to hear that. A long time ago. And so this whole notion about gender and appearance and, and, and presentations has been going on a long time. Mm. A long
3: yeah,
6: time. Yeah, and... What I'd like to say is, I mean, we've already spoken about it being an expression of your authentic self, and it made me sad when you were saying that even in the gay community, people try to change their voices to fit in. The thing is, it sounds trivial if you never had to change your voice or work with it, but it's such an intimate expression of who you are. It's it's the most intimate thing, because if I don't speak... You're not gonna know what I feel. You're not gonna hear me. You don't know. It's like I don't matter, and to have to twist that, and not being able to be myself, it's a very painful and sad thing. So.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, I would not want to have a a deep basso bass voice. I want to soar like Adam Lambert or Freddie
1: Mercury. <laughs> I want to soar up on the high A flats. That would be heaven for me. Well, but those voices like that, we they're incredibly respected in right. the music industry very true but like to uh, to what you were saying earlier about queer men sort of couching their voice either doubling down or you know couching it in something right, right. Uh, that goes sort of against their natural inclination The voices like that are not celebrated on a regular basis when you're not in front of a gold record Right, right. You know? Yeah. Well, look at, uh, I, I mean, uh,
0: um, uh, I'm old enough, you may, some of you may not be bewitched uh, with uh, Samantha and Darren Stevens, great sitcom in the 1960s. Paul Lynde, uh-huh. playing Uncle Arthur, uh-huh. had that nasally sissy voice yeah. that, I mean, identified him as being something funny to laugh at. That was my first attachment yeah. to a gay character. Even though he mm. didn't say it was gay, mm-hmm. I was like, Uncle Arthur. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like Uncle Arthur. I can get, I guess
1: that yeah yeah, yeah. there's a, that's that's come up so many times in conversations Paul Lind and yeah. like what his portrayals did for really iconizing um, a gay expression. sassy. Yeah. You know, smart, clever, Sure, and there are so many positive witty. things about that, and then also so many sort of ghettoizing things about that, right? Yeah. And it's like, this is the way, if you're going to be nationally visible and you identify as gay, you better do it like this, right? And right. I think that's something that we still struggle with. I think so. Who's that Lion King that played one of the two little characters, uh, the Broadway uh, singer,
0: uh... You know what I'm talking, about. Uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. Yeah. Now there is a voice that only that sticks out above all others. I wouldn't want it any other way. That, <laughs> yeah. I just love sure. that little Nelly voice of his. It's well, so he fantastic. sounds
1: unequivocally like
0: himself. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's truly a character, and uh, truly a character. Sonia, <laughs> um, yeah. do you get uh, any more sirs on the phone from uh, solicitors
6: or? Um, it's been a long time. Yes. It might happen if I get really. Aggressive and angry.
0: Yeah. And
6: then I don't know if it's just the reflex that this is "sir" because right. They mean it in a non-gendered way.
0: Yeah. But look, looking at you, I would not think for a second, sir.
6: Yeah. But on the phone, like.
0: On the phone, that's like, very or, true. Yeah. yeah. When I get angry, I tend to well, I, what I do is nelly out. I just get really up there in my vocal range when I get angry.
6: Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Great. When I get angry, I have to be. Maybe hold back just a little bit <laughs> yeah. despite Ryland's training.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Sonia, what would you say to other trans women who were thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe there's something worth exploring or looking into? What would you say about the process that you went through?
6: Well, I've been in trans groups and I know the whole spectrum and there's different ways people deal with it. Um, sometimes because it's so painful, they just go, I don't need to do anything. My voice is fine but then they complain that they get misgendered and yes one can't really tell them straight in the face because it's offensive but if you really sound very masculine how's the person on the phone supposed to know right and but it feels overwhelming if you don't have a, if you don't have help and uh, part of the work is psychological because there's such a resistance to having to change something that is been part of me all my life why do i have to change this why mm-hmm. can't I just be the way i am I'm impaired mm-hmm. just love me the way i am um i don't know but rylan was very helpful in kind of understanding that it wasn't just about learning a technique and doing exercises but th- there was a psychological resistance and he was very kind and a real teacher like you want to teach to be like in the movies who's yeah. nurturing and he works with you and oh. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks, Big
0: honey. tribute to Rylan. Rylan, oh. in less than a minute left, How, if people want more information you have a website or a I way, do, way to yeah. get hold of it.
1: um The name of the program again is True Voice Vocal Development. You can find us on the web at www.TrueVoiceVocalDevelopment.com. We've also just cre- we, Royal We, have also just created social media accounts and uh, under the same name, True Voice Vocal Development.
0: All right. We're going to have you back so you can sing for us now that we know you're a singer. Ah, well, <laughs> I would love to be back. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. It's been fantastic. Gang, uh, we have been talking to Ryland Shelton and Sonia Brenna here on Sidebar. We'll be right back after this commercial break for the concluding remarks. Oh, happy Pride Weekend, everybody. June 7th, we're starting Pride Month, and it's gonna be a fantastic month. What a great show we had today. Reverend Denise Barnes from the United Methodist Church talking about confronting her church uh, over the schism on LGBT issues. And then, uh, you know, having, uh, I think I outed that young rep, Jen Wynn from Bud Light. I outed her, didn't I, Jason? I completely outed her on national radio. <laughs> yeah, she was a little hesitant there, <laughs> she, but... Uh... Uh, she won't be hesitant anymore. <laughs>
1: (laughs) But that's your specialty, you bring out their inner, you know. (laughs)
0: Jen, I just guess it was time for you to come out on national radio (laughs) Uh, because I know how tough it can be coming uh, from a conservative family and and, obviously with her Asian culture, it could be really tough for her. And then Michael Bussey talking about You know, admitting that Exodus International was harming people and was wrong and uh, now coming out and advocating and helping people who went accidentally into ex-gay ministries find their way back home. And then finally concluding up with Ryland Shelton and Sonja Brenna about trans people finding their authentic voice, however that's presented, either doubling down on the existing voice or making the adjustments and changes to align their voice with their gender identity. It was just amazing. And you know what I was struck by? I was thinking in the course of all these guests and show about Aaron Schock. Now, some of you may be thinking, who the heck's Aaron Schock? Some of you know who Aaron Schock is. Aaron Schock was a Republican member of Congress from Illinois. Uh, A young, one of the youngest uh, elected officials ever in the U.S. Congress. Got elected in his 20s and um, uh, was a closeted gay man uh, who voted Against the LGBT community his entire congressional career. He voted against gay marriage. He voted against equality. He voted against trans rights. He voted against gays in the military. His voting record on LGBT issues was reprehensible, horrible, and he was gay the entire time that was happening. He has now moved to West Hollywood, California. He is now working out at the Equinox Gym on Sunset Boulevard. He is now posing poolside at the Standard Hotel. Uh, He is now hooking up on Grindr. Uh, He is now being featured and pictured at Coachella in, in a gaggle of gay men. So I get it, Aaron. You are finding yourself and finding your true voice. But you know, You've got some amends to make, dude. You've got some amends to make to the national LGBT community. We are a very uh, loving and a supportive community when people say, I want to be part of the tribe. We open our arms to everyone. But when somebody has intentionally committed harm against us, as Michael Bussey did as the founder of Exodus International, he had to go through a process of saying, I was wrong. What I did was harmful. What I did was really misguided. I apologize, and now I want to help others make it better. That's what you need to do, Aaron. So here's my challenge on national radio. Come on my show, man. Come on my show and be interviewed and tell us your story. I can pretty much guess your story. You were young, you were in the closet, you were afraid, you were fearful, you were fearful of the election, you were fearful of your constituency. I get it, we all get it. We've all been afraid of how our families would react, how our coworkers would react, how our boss would react, how our clergy member would react. We have all faced that fear and we had to overcome it by coming out. You are coming out sideways, man. You are coming out sideways without making amends for the terrible harm you did and the injustice that you ended up putting upon the LGBT community. There's still hope, Aaron Schock. Come on my show. Admit your wrongs, make your amends, tell us how you're going to make lives better for LGBT people across the country, and we'll welcome you into the tribe. Have a great Pride weekend in Los Angeles, Sacramento, D.C., Boston, Key West, Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh. Have a safe and wonderful time. We'll talk to you all next week on Sidebar with John Duran with the incredible Margaret Cho, joining me as one of my special guests. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q.